Welcome listeners to the Think Anesthesia podcast. I'm Amanda Shelby, VTS in Anesthesia and Analgesia. And in celebration of Veterinary Technician Week 2021, we are interviewing career veterinary technicians. For this episode, I am honored to introduce Charlotte Wax, CVT, RVT, and Veterinary Support Personnel Network Director. She is also a leader for Support for Support, a VIN Foundation peer-to-peer group for veterinary support staff. She has also served as past board members for her state's veterinary medical associations, as well as a board member for the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America, or what we commonly refer to as NAFTA. With that, welcome Charlotte, and thank you for taking time to share with us what being a career veterinary technician means to you. So with that, I'm just gonna let you jump in. For me, veterinary technology, it came as a second career. And I started at the age of about 30, and now that I'm 60, um, it's been my passion. I, I just, I didn't think that I would like the whole science part of it, but it grabbed me. And to this day, I still love the medicine. So it's just provided a world of opportunity for me in my career. So I very much enjoy being a veterinary technician. Very proud of it. Wonderful. I was creepy and I did some Google research uh, to see that you indeed had a career in management before becoming a credentialed veterinary technician. So obviously you made that jump. What exactly made you say, hey, let's go in a different direction and become a, a credentialed veterinary technician? Honestly, it was all by chance. My first degree is in music business. And after I graduated, I just was too afraid to go to Nashville or Los Angeles to become a record producer. So I stayed with my college job working at Pizza Hut and they offered me a position in management. So I took it. Then I hurt my back. I blew a disc when I was 29 years old, had to have back surgery. So very young to that type of injury, but that took me out of the workforce for about nine months. And when I came back, I decided to try something new and I answered a blind ad for a veterinary receptionist basically. Um, and thought, okay, this is kind of cool. I've always loved animals as everyone you know, else has. My mother was a groomer, always had pets. So I got the job and fell totally in love with what I was doing. I also, I had a great first veterinarian that encouraged us to learn more. No question was dumb. So he gave us great support and um, I was a great veterinary assistant for 12 years. And then I decided that I wanted to be a credentialed veterinary technician. So I went back to school at the age of, you know, 39 and, or 40, I guess, um, and got my degree and got my credentials, which then opened up even more doors. That's an amazing past. And I would say that you probably gained quite a bit of skills in the roles that you played in the non-veterinary career path to then really benefit you in your veterinary technician career. Yes, the management part of it. I just, I was able to, like that first job, ended up being the office manager there and then went back. I missed the medicine. I wanted to do the medicine. So the next clinic, I was assisting again and eventually started managing. So it, it all dovetailed very nicely for me. Whereas a lot of technicians, they're in the job 
and then are, they're promoted and they have no idea what to do, how do I manage? I already had that education and background. So it, it helped elevate my career a little bit more. So being a leader in the veterinary community, can you give us a greater understanding of what you do as the director and CE director for VSPN? This is always a really difficult question, especially those people outside of the field when I'm trying to describe to friends or family, they're like, what is it that you do? It's like, well, license wise, I am a certified veterinary technician, <laughs> but so many people in the veterinary world, they know VIN, Veterinary Information Network. And so I am the director of VSPN, which is for the support staff. And I oversee all of the content, all of the CE classes, and help manage a team of all remote workers. None of us are actually in the VIN office in California and our VSPN moderators, which are our VSPN consultants, so, so to speak. And it's a group of volunteers that help us answer questions for our members and help us with social media. So it's a great community for veterinary support teams. And we have, I think, 15,000 members worldwide now. So big contingent of members in Australia and New Zealand, and of course, Canada, our neighbors. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a great community there where people can exchange ideas. We have resources. And basically, I kind of oversee all of that part. And maybe you could be so kind just to go ahead and share your website and how people could be a member or be involved in that organization. Sure. So it's www.vin.com backslash VSPN. And membership to VSPN for technicians, assistants, receptionists, office managers, membership is free. We don't have quite the extent of resources that VIN has, but they do share quite a few resources with us. And we have our own content, like the VSPN notebook, which is kind of a technician nerd book, uh, quick resources. So yeah, they can just go to VSPN and uh, register for membership. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So tell me, how is being a credentialed veterinary technician beneficial to you in that role, managing and directing this organization and so many remote contributors? So because of our community, it is what we like to say, it is veterinary support staff for veterinary support staff. So it's run by veterinary people. Um, to truly understand what our members are going through, what information they need, what changes are happening in the industry. I think you have to be from the industry, which is why almost all of my team, except for I think one person are all from the veterinary field. Most are credentialed veterinary technicians themselves. Also with our CE classes, you need to be able to understand the medicine of what an instructor is sending into you. They, especially, Little things like hyperthyroidism, hypothyroidism, two completely different diseases. You need to be able to catch that when you're reviewing their slideshow to say, yeah, did you mean hyper on that instead of hypo? <laughs> because that happens a lot. Uh, so it, it really helps that they're from the field. And even when we're talking to our members on the telephone or in email, because we come from the field, we understand what they're going through in their clinics and what they need and how things work. So. For me, it's really important that the team members be from the field. I'd like to switch gears just a little bit. 
I want to know what inspired you to serve as a representative in your state veterinary medical associations and then transition to, I, I think there was some overlap in the years, but transition to NAFTA. So my philosophy about vet tech associations is if you want to change anything in your state, you need to be a part of the association. And if you're a part of the association, they are always looking for people to help. So volunteer. And whether it's five minutes a week or a half an hour a week, whatever you can give, they will appreciate. So that's what really started everything because the laws in, in Illinois, we, as in many states, it's basically whatever the veterinarian says you can do. We didn't have a delineation of tasks or levels of supervision. And so I wanted to try to change that. And we did. Through the Illinois State Vet Vet Association, I served on a task force there and we actually ended up changing the laws. So my thing is, yeah, you can complain all you want about what's going on in your state, but unless you're a part of your state association, it's not going to change. So learn how those laws change whether it's get involved, go watch the state vet med board meetings, be a representative. If you want change to happen, you have to give a part of yourself to make it happen. And just it just kind of dovetailed again from you know state associations to national. I started traveling for VSPN a lot and meeting people on the national level and people encouraged me to run, so I did. And I was elected, it surprised me. <laughs> No, well-deserved. And, and yes, there's been a lot of change over the course of the years. I'm a 15-year credentialed veterinary technician um, this year. <laughs> Along those lines, what would you say to people, like they join, they join for one year, maybe two years. What does change look like? Give us a time frame, like a realistic expectation for involvement and really experiencing change. So for example, like I, I mentioned, we changed the rules in Illinois and this did not go through a practice act change. So we didn't have to open the practice act. This was all kind of behind the scenes, so to speak. And from when the task force first met to when the rules were implemented, I think it was seven years total. So it takes a long time. And we had meetings for probably four years, putting all of this together. And deciding, you know, looking at the CBTEA uh, list of tasks that we have to learn as credentialed veterinary technicians, looking at other practice acts, what they allow, California, state of Washington, they have very good practice acts that are very detailed. Um, and then talking to the veterinarians and letting them know what's happening. And then once we were able to put our list together, then we had to actually publish it and ask for comments. We had to have it open for comments from the veterinarians around the state. And um, I can tell you right now, a lot of the veterinarians, we got pushback, especially in the Southern part of the state. We had one that said, well, I hired a CVT one time and they weren't worth anything. I'm like, oh, well, you tried one person, <laughs> great. So we have a lot of rural practices in Southern Illinois. So that's what we were kind of up against. Um, and, you know, it just takes a lot of time. You have to really be patient. Uh, we've been talking about title protection on the national level for the 30 years that I've been involved in veterinary medicine. We've been talking about 
having one title, <laughs> whether it's a CVT, RVT, LVT, LVMT. Yeah. <laughs> so all of that's been going on for this long. And you just, you have to have faith that it's at some point in time, you're going to be able to get these changes done, but it takes a lot of commitment from a lot of people. And I think we just don't have a lot of volunteers to get done what we really want to get done as a profession. Well, hopefully this inspires people to understand that it's not a one-year commitment and that will set realistic expectations and get people involved. Would you like to provide us any more details on like where to start if one of us listening is interested in pursuing more involvement with the local or national organizational bodies? You need to be a member. Um, in Illinois, we have a little over 200 CVT members that are part of the Illinois State Vet Med Association, which is our technician association now. Um, and we have 1,200 licensees, I think, 12 or 1,400 licensees. So become a member, join your state association, renew your membership every year, and then email them and find out, hey, do you need help? Are you great at writing emails? Do you have any special skills? Web design, recording blogs or podcasts. Maybe you're really good at Facebook or Instagram. So volunteer to help. And just like in anywhere, you may get busy in your personal life and say, hey, I need to step back from this for a couple months. They will say fine because they're willing to have any volunteers they can. Most of the times you, your state associations, you have four or five people that rotate the top positions, the board positions, because no one steps up and volunteers. And that's all you have to do is just raise your hand. And do you feel that those opportunities that you've pursued really helped you in navigating your current or even future career opportunities? Is that something that somebody, if they accomplish a volunteer position, they would add that to their resume or CV as a personal achievement as well. Yes. So I didn't go back in the history of it, but I started volunteering for the Veterinary Information Network back when we were on AOL. If there are some people that probably haven't heard of AOL, but we had an area called the Pet Care Forum and they had what they called chat leaders. And so here I was, you know, my dial-up internet connection and I was a volunteer for VIN way back at probably 1996-97 and I continued to volunteer all the way through my career. Then when my back started getting bad again, I had a lot of many good years with my back post-surgery, but eventually things give out and at one point I said, I'm going to have to come out of clinical practice. It kills me because I love surgery. I love clinical practice. And my boss at the time said, send me your resume. And that's how I started 16 years ago with Veterinary Information Network. And eventually I was promoted to where I'm at now. So being a volunteer gave me everything that, that I have today as far as my career goes. I never thought that I would be known on the national level as a quote leader. <laughs> I'm from Podunk Payson, Illinois, the middle of nowhere. So it always just amazes me that what I've been able to do with my career and where it's taken me um, and the traveling that I get to do with my job, because I'm also on the VIN conference team. So even though I haven't done any traveling in probably 20 months, 
but I've gotten to go to England twice and meet all of these fantastic veterinary technicians across the country. When I go out to the conferences and meet members, it's great. And yeah, just, I never dreamed that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. And it all started with volunteering. Well, we really do appreciate all of your contributions to the profession. I see that you value inspiring others. And I think that truly does show through in the work that you've contributed, elevating and inspiring others to, to go out and get involved. And that um, definitely makes you a clear leader in the community. So for that, we really appreciate you taking time to share your career path with us and some tidbits of knowledge that helps others uh, find their way in the world as well to improve veterinary technology as a profession. So for that, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure being interviewed. Hello, Think Anesthesia subscribers. My name is Amanda Shelby, RVT and VTS and Anesthesia and Analgesia for Jurox Incorporated. In celebration of Veterinary Technician Week 2021, we are interviewing career veterinary technicians for this episode. I am honored to introduce Joe DeFulio. Joe is a CVT, Compassion Fatigue Educator, Certified Compassion Fatigue Professional. He serves as Vice President of Clinical Services for MedVet with direct responsibility for overseeing hospital directors in the Central Ohio, Gulf Coast, and Tri-State regions. He interestingly is also certified by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, in Animal Disaster Response. Joe, we start by thanking you for taking time to speak with us today about what it means to be a veterinary uh, technician, career veterinary technician. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'd like to start uh, with you just telling us a little bit about working for MedVet, an employee-owned veterinary-led company. Is there potential for ownership for veterinary technicians within MedVet? There is. So at, it depends what level you're at in the organization, but there certainly is opportunity. I think one of the great things about MedVet is that there are opportunities for non-veterinarians to buy into the company. It depends what level you're at within the organization, but they do allow that. As you said, we are veterinary owned and led. So our chief executive officer is a veterinary cardiologist but we do have credentialed technicians in many executive seats across the organization. I love your highlighting about MedVet because it's interesting. There was a review done that highlighted the top 10 best human hospital systems and a common denominator associated with those were that nurses were part of the executive team or as part of the senior regional team. And it seems like in veterinary medicine, there's a real reluctance to recognize the credentialed veterinary technician as a career veterinary professional and a vital team members that they're really in it for the career. And so I think that really is awesome for MedVet to give that opportunity to veterinary technicians. What I would really like to ask you about is that I know you, you started in the trenches as a credentialed veterinary technician and you've moved to what we're going to term as a chief veterinary technician officer. So as vice president of clinical services, could you provide us some insight to how being a veterinary technician allows you to be effective in your role? Yeah, absolutely. Having been someone that's grown through the different roles within the profession, I started as a kennel assistant and then progressed slowly but surely to where I am today. I think the experience in each role really helps me to understand and relate to what our teams are doing day in and day out. And for me, that really helps to guide some of our decision-making as an organization. I've experienced the clinical practice aspect of being a technician. I worked in small animal emergency and critical care for a fair amount of time. 
And I've lived through those experiences and the ups and the downs. And I like to believe that I have a good understanding of what the pain points are for those in our, those in those roles. And I think for me, it helps to put in a concerted effort to resolve them for our team and knowing what I went through, trying to prevent some of that for my team members. I would say one of the greatest things about being a technician in this role is that it provides me with a greater ability to advocate for our team. So I'm really thrilled about that. At the executive level, there's two credentialed veterinary technicians, myself and uh, my colleague, Anne. And we're at the table with the regional medical directors who are all veterinarians and many of them veterinary specialists. And for me, I do believe strongly that our voices at that table are heard just as loudly and clearly as the veterinarians. We're able to guide the way that we want clinical services, which is all the non-veterinarians in our organization, what we want the next steps to be. So I do feel like our voice is equally as important as those that are veterinarians. And it's really important, I think, for the culture and the environment that you know, we're serving in. I'm really interested in learning more about your compassion fatigue education and, and certifications. Is that specific to veterinary medicine or is that uh, more comprehensive and, and then you've just applied that to your veterinary medicine background? Both the certified compassion fatigue professional training and the compassion fatigue educator training, they're both not unique to veterinary medicine. But for me, they translate very easily over to what we do. We experience trauma in our profession. It's maybe a different kind of trauma than what they experience in human healthcare. But for me, it's easily translatable. And mental well-being is a topic that I'm super passionate about and very interested in. And it's no surprise in our profession where mental well-being is at this point. I think the past year and a half has have really taken a toll on our profession more than ever before. And I think having these tools and resources helps to be able to support the team. If you don't know anything about compassion fatigue, you don't know how to prevent it, you don't know how to identify it, it's going to be really challenging for you to be able to support your team through those challenging times. So I'm a huge advocate of it. I think it's added a lot of value to resources to my toolbox, I would say. And I would be an advocate for anyone that was interested in pursuing it. So if someone is interested in pursuing it, is there a website where they go to find out more information? Yeah, so for the CCFP, they can go to evergreencertifications.com. It's an entirely online course, so there's no in-person aspect to it. So you can do it from the comfort of your own home. And for the Compassion Fatigue Educator Training, it's through the Green Cross Academy of Traumatology. And that's also entirely online as well. So again, you can do it from the comfort of your own home, and it's completely COVID-friendly. Yes, that's very important. We have all gotten uh, pretty good at dialing in for meetings and webinars and classes. So that's that definitely influential in our decision-making moving forward <laughs> and how we get some of our continued education. You are certified with FEMA in animal disaster response. And I'd love to hear about where you get that training, what the type of demands are on someone once they've gotten that training. Is it volunteer or a paid position if you're deployed? So I went through FEMA.gov. They actually have a wide variety of courses that you can take. Some of them are complimentary. Some I believe there are fee for. And back when I took this, it was several years ago at this point, I had a strong desire to try and support when crisis struck, whether it was a natural disaster or some other type of event where they needed veterinary professionals to support, I wanted to be there and be able to at least have the option of responding. Unfortunately, I've not had much availability to respond to their calls. So every once in a while, there will be an email blast of seeking veterinary professionals or really they're seeking many different 
professionals from different industries and professions as well. I've not yet had the chance to respond, but it is still on my list of things that I'd like to do because I just feel like giving back to the community in a time of need is something that I think would be really rewarding for me personally. I agree. That's a wonderful resource. So FEMA.gov, you said, was the address? Yep, FEMA.gov. Excellent. Well, I hope some people are inspired to take advantage of that. So Joe, I see that you've been very successful in your career. Obviously, you have a career in front of you as well, but you've taken a role more on the administrative side of things to improve the overall work balance for your staff and those that you oversee. Can you tell me, do you get a chance to dive back in and place catheters and work on the floor or do you miss that? I have the opportunity on occasion. Sometimes I'll be walking on the floor. It happened most recently in our Lexington practice where they needed an IV catheter placed and I was walking by and was happy to step in and support that. I will share it doesn't happen incredibly often. I do miss it. I miss the adrenaline rush of emergency, kind of thinking on your feet from that aspect. But the good thing is that I'm still based out of a veterinary hospital. I'm based out of our Columbus location. So I make my way down to the floor and I still get to interface with the team and see the cases. And for me, participating in things like rounds and just hearing the discussions around me, I think helps to keep the knowledge uh, a little bit more fresh in my head. So the most challenging question I'm going to ask you, and I didn't prepare you for this. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's one thing left on your bucket list of to-dos as a veterinary technician? What's something you want to accomplish? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Hmm. As a veterinary technician, what do I want to accomplish? For me, I think the one thing that I would like to do as a veterinary technician is really, we talked a little bit about it earlier when it comes to mental well-being. I'd like to see that improved across the profession and I'm committed to doing anything that's within my power to do that. It really breaks my heart to see technicians that are in the profession for five to seven years and they get burned out and they feel like it's not sustainable. They experience compassion fatigue. I want this to be a profession and I think as a larger organization, MedVet can do a lot to influence the well-being of the profession and where we're headed. And me personally, I think that I can as well. I lead a team, I would lead a region and I feel a huge amount of responsibility to support my team. And I think that there is still a lot of opportunity to do it better. I think well-being would be the first thing. And the second thing shortly thereafter would be utilization of technicians. I think we do a great job at many of our hospitals, but I think across the profession, there's a lot of opportunity to really utilize our technicians at the top of their license. We all go through this training. Why would we not be placing central lines? Why would we have veterinarians that could be prescribing or doing surgery? Why would we have them placing catheters? So I think enhancing well-being across the profession is something I'm determined to have a positive impact on. And then also making sure that technicians are utilized to the fullest extent possible. I, I definitely agree and would love to see both of those aspects improve. And I'm tempted to say that by improving the second technician utilization, might improve the first in many ways. It's interesting to me in trying to find research that has really been dedicated to looking at mental health awareness, suicide rates, rate of departure from the field. It's really focused on the veterinarian. Almost none of it (laughs) really recognizes veterinary support staff. And, And I'm saying comprehensively down to technicians, management, 
clinic client services, kennel workers, anybody in the back, let's say, or even in the front, seeing the clients and working with them, very limited data out there specific to the impact of this on them. And that's disappointing. So hopefully we see more of that and you have more data to work with than personal experience, which is obviously firsthand, but it would be nice to have some global data points on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think when you look at human healthcare, there's data out there around nurses, right? So I feel like it's not impossible to gather the data. I think we just have to be willing and able to put the effort forth and to bring it forward and actually find value in having that data versus it just being solely focused on the veterinarian, which I'm not minimizing the importance of that at all, but I do think that the rest of the team is equally as important and their well-being is certainly as well. Absolutely. Well, with that, we really appreciate the time that you've taken to spend with us and describe some of your career paths. And it's interesting and inspiring to hear someone at the top care so much about every place they've been and everyone else that is serving in those roles. So with that, we really appreciate you taking time to speak with us about your career path. And it's truly been an inspirational career path. So I'm excited to see where else it goes. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me.